You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us. Today we'll be discussing adhesive dentistry and the benefits of using self-etch, total etch, and universal adhesives. Our guest is Dr. Leanne Brady, Director of Education for the Panky Institute and a dedicated educator who also maintains a private practice in Glendale, Arizona. Dr. Brady, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Oh, thanks, Phyllis. I'm so happy to be back. Your other podcasts are fantastic. One is Hypersensitivity Can Be Treated. So if the listeners out there have not listened to that yet, definitely check it out. It talks a lot about Gluma Desensitizer, which is not a new product, but certainly one that has an amazing track record that's been shown to be successful for many, many decades. And Dr. Brady really sums up what that product does and how it actually works very well with today's new adhesive systems. Um, and the other one, of course, was excellent on how to maintain a dry field. That title is How to Maintain a Dry Field, It Matters. And um, Dr. Brady talks about various options the practitioner has regarding isolation. And there are some very innovative products out there. One in particular that she talks about is Ivory Relief by Colzer. So to begin, a pretty general question here, Dr. Brady, what is your philosophy on adhesive dentistry? Um, gosh, that is a pretty general question. And, you know, I guess, you know, um, all of us today believe in adhesive dentistry because it's probably the lion's share of what we do in our practice. Um, you know, so whether we're talking about placing a sealant as a preventive measure to all our direct restorations in my office, um, I'd say probably upwards of 95% of my direct restorations are adhesively placed. And then today, most of our indirect restorations are placed using some form of adhesive dentistry or resin paste system. Um, so, you know, and it's been an unbelievable advantage in dentistry, you know, to be able to do things where uh, we can be very conservative about tooth structure. Uh, we can do things that mimic the tooth structure from a standpoint of appearance. Aesthetically, they disappear against the tooth. Um, and so adhesives have really given us all of those advantages. Um, so I just think it's something that is here to stay. And although we sometimes still struggle with doing it, um, because it's a little more technique sensitive than things that uh, those of us have been practicing 30 years learned in dental school, the benefits for our patients make it a, a, just a necessary endeavor. Yeah, well, that was a difficult question to answer. I think you handled it quite well. So tell us a little bit more specifically about, again, this question could be go on for hours or weeks. Uh, there's so many, There's different techniques. There's self-etch, there's total etch, and we're talking about universal bonds now. Talk a little bit about each of those and their clinical applications. Absolutely. So, you know, when we think about total etch, we all immediately have a vision of the blue gel, 30 to 40 percent phosphoric acid. Um, and in a, in a true total etch technique, we're putting the phosphoric acid gel on both the dentin and the enamel simultaneously. Um, we also all immediately get the, the worries and the concerns of um, enamel needs to be etched for 25 seconds. Dentin should not be etched for more than 10 to 15. So we run the risk of over etching the dentin. When we do that, we increase the risk of sensitivity, which we talked about in a previous podcast. Um, but we also decrease bond strengths. Um, so the whole concept of total etch we like because there's something comforting about putting that blue gel on enamel. And we believe it uh, still today um, we get better bond strengths to enamel when we use phosphoric acid. But then they have all the technique sensitivity pieces of how long to leave it, rinsing it, drying it, keeping the dentin moist. 
Um, you know, so then we came out with self-etching. So self-etching adhesives um, actually use the pH of the monomer that's in the resin to um, etch the, the enamel and the dentin and prime the dentin simultaneously. You would think, since part of the reason it was uh, brought to the market was to reduce technique sensitivity that led to sensitivity that we would have lower sensitivity. Um, but when you survey dentists, that doesn't seem to be accurate. Um, and then, of course, you don't have to rinse and dry. The challenges with self-etching is we do um, get lower bond strengths to enamel when we use self-etchers. And um, there, it has its own technique sensitivity. So most self-etchers need to be scrubbed against the dentin for 10, 15, 20 seconds. And if you're not vigorously scrubbing, you're not actually getting great hybrid zone development. Um, and then you'll still have sensitivity and you'll still potentially have lower bond strengths. So, uh, you know, I wish I could tell you that there was an ideal way to etch a tooth today that had zero technique sensitivity, um, but there's not. And you just need to know what to use when. Um, but, you know, the advent of this whole category of universal dent adhesives um, has made that easier. And so one of the things that is um, unique about universal adhesives is that they allow you to choose how you want to etch, but you can always use the same dentin adhesive. And so uh, if you want to total etch and then use an, a universal adhesive um, like iBond, you can do that. Um, if you want to use it totally as a self-etcher, you can do that. So the pH of the chemistry is acidic enough to etch on its own but not so acidic that if you put it on the tooth after phosphoric acid, you're going to create an over-etch scenario. Um, and then, of course, if we wanted to really complicate things um, in between total etch and self-etch, some dentists do what we call selective etching. So you put phosphoric acid first on the enamel, leave it for 10 seconds, then cover the dentin and go 10 more seconds. And other dentists do what we call a hybrid etching technique where you put phosphoric acid on the enamel for 10 seconds, rinse it off, dry the tooth, and then etch the dentin and finish etching the enamel with uh, something that'll self-etch. A universal adhesive, you can do all four of those. So if you love to use phosphoric acid when you do veneers, you don't have to have a separate adhesive for your veneer procedures. And you really like to self-etch when you do your direct composites, okay? So, you know, one bottle, lower inventory control, lower confusion on the part of your auxiliaries as to what to put out, um, and equal clinical results, no matter what etching technique you use, makes the universal category of dentin adhesives um, just a real leap forward and advance in the material science. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a very, very excellent presentation as far as the different kinds of etching techniques. It seems to me the operator kind of falls in love with one particular etching technique. And I didn't really know about the hybrid one. That's an interesting one where you etch the enamel, then go back and do both again. You do the dentin and then you re-etch the enamel. Um, I think that's the way you explained it. Is that Was that right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it seems to me that these techniques are somewhat anecdotal when it comes to which one you choose as far as the dentist doing these procedures, or do you think that the ones they choose, they're strictly going by research and they're getting the best results for bond strength? 
Uh, you know, honestly, I think most of us probably choose a technique or a material based on anecdotal information. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so um, either something works in our hands or we ask a friend who's a dentist or that's how we were taught to do it in dental school. Or we ask sometimes our sales rep or our distributor rep and we get recommendations that way or my hope for is is that those people if you're you know if you're going to a lecture if you're asking a, a rep um, you know if you're going online and looking for advice that that's coming based on science mm -hmm. um, but the person who gives you the advice uh, may not have done the research on the science but it is grounded in science um, you know and we do know that um, over etching dentin is a challenge you know we have the scientific studies that show that it's not just challenging from a patient experience, but it's challenging from the longevity of those bonds. So, you know, that's why we've, as a profession, we've moved in the direction of trying to solve that problem and manufacturers have come up with better and better materials to make that less likely. So you mentioned I-Bond, um, and I also wanna ask you, before I get into I-Bond, because I, I, offline you mentioned you use that product, so I was just curious to know why you like that product, but, um, when you talk about bond strengths, they can range from 20 megapascals to as high as 60 megapascals. How, what does this number mean, and does does this really matter, this range? So, I mean, it's an interesting question when you talk about bond strengths. And so, you know, the first thing when somebody quotes a bond strength to me, I want to know is to what surface? Is that to enamel? Is it to dentin? Is it to ceramic? Is it to resin? Um, because you got to make sure you're talking apples and apples and not talking apples and oranges. Um, and then the other piece of bond strength that's interesting is we kind of think there's a one-to-one -one direct correlation between the bond strength of a material and how long the restoration lasts in the mouth. Um, and the reality is the longevity of an adhesively placed restoration is based on a whole host of um, factors. Um, and one of the biggest ones is actually bond degradation which is actually something we talked about in the podcast you and I did together on hypersensitivity. And we understand today that bond degradation in the dentin is driven by an actual biologic process that occurs in the collagen. And so, um, you know, the, there isn't a direct correlation from what the science tells us between initial bond strength and longevity of the restoration. So probably the study that I always like to quote was actually done by Harold Hyman out of UNC, and he actually looked at class five restorations, which as we all know as clinicians are the ones that we dread because the margins stain and open faster than any of the others we do. And they're actual in vivo studies, so in real people. Uh, and they used um, probably about eight to 10 different dent adhesives across manufacturers with different bond strengths to dentin, ranging from 19 up into the 30s was the highest one. And then they measured failure rates of those restorations. So they looked at when did the margin stain or start to open or get recurrent decay. Um, and they, you know, and they did it out at periods of time. Um, and what's really interesting about that study is the two adhesives in the study that had the lowest initial bond strength. So around 20 actually also had the lowest failure rates compared mm. to other adhesives. And so, you know, Very it just, it, serves to debunk the belief that there's a one-to-one -one correlation between bond strength and longevity. Mm -hmm. Bond yeah. strength is one factor of multiple factors that lead to the long-term success of a restoration. Yeah, well, that's really good to know because when you're 
making that purchasing decision on what kind of universal bond to buy, the rep or whatever, whoever is trying to sell it to you or the literature that you read says, hey, 55 megapascals. And it's higher than another product that may have 25, it's, it's advertising, doesn't mean that it's better. Doesn't mean that it's going to give you more clinical success. It's just one factor. So that's why people listen to these podcasts. Um, tell us about iBond Universal a little bit. Apparently, Colzer makes that. Just to disclose, they're the sponsor of this podcast. iBond Universal is the one you use mostly in your office, or do you use a lot of different types of bonding agents? I actually don't use a lot of different kinds of um, bonding agents in my office. Um, so iBond Universal is sort of my go-to dent adhesive for my direct restorations. So when I'm doing direct composites, I'll have iBond Universal out. And um, before that, I actually used Colzer's iBond Total Etch um, and their colored bottles. So their Universal has a yellow lid and the Total Etch had a green lid. Um, so I've actually been an iBond user for probably the better part of a decade and a half. And, um, you know, when they came out with the Universal and I had had such great success with the Total Edge, I was like, okay, do I want to try this? Um, and it actually took me researching the material science behind this whole category of Universal adhesives and realizing that it was a leap forward in the material science and the monomer, monomer that's included in it. Um, and so I got curious to play with it. Um, and so I've been using it. Um, probably for a number of years now. And, you know, for me, I get the same great predictable results that I've gotten with prior generations of iBond in my office. And I only have to buy one bottle, so I don't have to buy the Total Etch and the Self Etch now. I can just use the Universal. And as I said, I have the freedom to pick up phosphoric acid or not pick up phosphoric acid, depending upon the procedure that I'm doing. Um, you know, I actually like that the iBond Universal product, the um, the solvent, all adhesives have a solvent in them that makes them liquidy enough to penetrate the dental tubules. And in theirs, that solvent is acetone versus ethanol. And one of the advantages of acetone is it evaporates very, very quickly. So the piece of the technique where you now have to dry the adhesive and wait for it to stop wriggling around um, so that you get rid of that solvent um, that happens in just a couple seconds, probably about a half or a third of the time as an adhesive that has ethanol in it. And I like that because it's just efficient and easy to watch that solvent evaporate and know that you've got a nice dense layer of the adhesive that's been left behind. So um, overall, you've, you're talking about 15 years of usage, but on the iBind Universal, how many years have you used this particular generation? You know what, since they brought it to market, I'm going to guess and say, I think that's been about two years. But, um, you know, you, when you're practicing dentistry 31 years, sometimes you get those numbers off those six <laughs> months one direction yeah. or the other. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. But listen, you must really have a busy uh, schedule because between your practice and being director of education for Panky Institute, I mean, that's there's a lot on your plate there. Plus, you lecture a lot. It's, it's You're on the cover of half the magazines out there. So um, it's just power to you. You're a... You're a busy, busy young woman doing all this stuff. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I always tell people all the time I don't endorse my schedule for anybody else, but it works for me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Thank you again, uh, Dr. Brady. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. We, we have one more podcast scheduled for you in the future, but the ones you've done so far are great. This one is called State of the Art Adhesive Dentistry. 
Dr. Brady did another one, as I mentioned earlier, on hypersensitivity, and then a previous one on how to maintain a dry field. So tap into those before you, before you uh, log off or anytime you want. And we're on all podcast platforms now. You can listen to us on vivalearning.com, but also we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Podcasts, and of course, we're on iTunes. Or on your iPhone, it's called Podcast. It's the podcast app. Thanks again, Dr. Brady, and hope to see you soon. All right. Thanks, Phil. 